Welcome to episode 11 of Steel Sharpened Steel. This is Robert Avila, your host. Today I'm going to share with you a set of five dreams that came over a period of seven nights and one small nap in one afternoon. They discuss the coming mass arrests. Now in the world, people have talked about this. There was some group called QAnon. I'm not promoting them to you nor will I ever, do I suspect, uh, promoting these things, saying, well, there are going to be these mass arrests, they're going to arrest these child traffickers. Well, two years ago, I had received an invitation to do a radio show, Omega Man Radio with Shannon Davis, and I began to pray about it. Like, Lord, what do you want me to show? What do you want me to talk about? And this is the message that the Holy Spirit gave me. So the first dream was July 12th of 2020. And what I saw was some soldiers drive up to an intersection. They have Humvees, maybe an armored car, I don't recall. They have some guard shacks and some heavy weapons. They set them up. They set up a, a very serious roadblock, one you might see in a country at war. I've been in countries at war, Kuwait, Iraq, Ukraine, and, you know, they put up borders. Men stand there with guns. Sometimes they have a sniper off in the bushes pillboxes, different barricades of different types and varieties. But this is a professional setup. They have some tents there, guard shacks, vehicles. Men in uniforms appear to me to be American soldiers. That's what I'm expecting. So the guy sets up, they set up this roadblock, and the dream follows it, watches it for some time as it goes on. Then the dream starts over, and it's another group of soldiers, different vehicles, a different intersection, different background, and they also set up a roadblock. That scene goes away, and they start, and it goes like this the whole night, just setting up roadblocks. So the dream is saying, like, they're going to set up a lot of roadblocks. This isn't something about one city or one road. This is going to be large scale. So I see all these things going up. And the next thing that happens is, well, actually, this is... I think this happens on a different night. I, I'm going to share with you all the scenes, but I don't remember which scenes belong specifically to which nights. I don't remember that anymore. And I don't have my notes because uh, I left them behind when the Russians started killing my neighbors. So at some point, and I believe this is the second night, maybe the third night. I think it's the third night. So the second night is, is slightly different than the other four, but I'm going to include it because I know that it's related. So in this second night, there's like, I see some different scenes. One of them takes place in a bar, a, a posh bar, all wood, everything's wood. The wall panel, the, the ceiling has inlaid panels, wood, everything's nice. There's some in there dressed nicely, good looking clothes, new in good condition, uh, drinking alcohol and, you know, scotch glasses on the rocks and these guys are seated at a bar on some leather stool seats, and uh, one guy says, you know, I, the, there's a younger man, and he, he inquires of an older man. He says, you know, I, I don't really know how to pick a wife. Like, how do I do this? And the older man starts giving him advice, very worldly advice. Well, you know, you need to look at her mama if you want to know how she's going to look in 30 years. You know, have a look and see if that's all right with you, and... You know, uh, make sure maybe that she's good with accounting and you might want to know if she's good in bed. 
And, you know, he's, at, he's telling them very, very worldly advice. At no point in the conversation does he tell the younger man, pray about it. Pray that God will give you a good wife. Be honest with what you would like to have, but give God full reign. He doesn't tell this kind of advice. And when you meet someone, you should pray then as well. He doesn't, give, he doesn't advise him in this way. Then the scene moves to another group. Again, it's like a younger man asking questions of an older man about business. And he gives him practical advice. Talk about uh, location of a business, doing research, how, how to make sure you have the right connections, that the connections are important, that it's good to get counsel. He's given him very, he's given him good basic business advice. But at no point does he say, before you start the business, you should pray. You should know that business is something God has for you, that that's where he's leading you, that's his plan for your life, is to open and start and run an operating business. He doesn't advise him in this way at all. And this goes on and on and on, and it shows all kinds of things like this. Apparently, that's a problem. The Holy Spirit is showing me this for some reason, and somehow it relates to all these other things. So the first night, checkpoints go up everywhere. And the fact that men aren't praying when they make their decisions, and they're taking advice just from men, it makes them followers of men, that somehow has let the world get to the situation that is maybe going to be reckless. There, there's, a, there's a twist ending in this. And then there's a twist on the twist. So, so stick around. It gets interesting. Now, third night, well, the third set of dreams, but some nights there were no dreams. So the third night of dreams showed kicking in the doors. Men came, kicked in doors, ran in, their children screaming, adults screaming, they're separating them. People are getting arrested. I see adults getting arrested. And this goes on and on and on. Kicking in doors, arresting people, people getting seized, tied up. You know, not, not just like two policemen, but like men with helmets and flag jackets and things like this. I, I don't remember exactly, but it was, it was like SWAT tactics that I saw. Coming in, kicking in doors, moving in fast, clearing rooms. They weren't playing around. They didn't meet any resistance. There weren't any gun battles, not that I recall. But they were very serious, very professional, very fast. It was, it was a fast move in. Now, oh, you know what? Let me back up to the setting up of the checkpoints. In one of the scenes, this man walks in, enters a room. He's moving some boxes. He's setting up a table in what looks like it might be a, a command tent. And there's an officer in there. And the officer looks at this guy and gives him a kind of a wink. And in response, the soldier who has like a red hair and a red beard... Like he hasn't shaved in two days, maybe red stubble. He's got red eyebrows and he puts his finger up alongside the side of his nose and he just taps it and gives him a look, you know, like an intense look for just like half a half a half a glance, you know. Yeah. And it's an exchange of some secret symbols. And I realize, ooh, whatever they are saying these checkpoints are for, they're really for something else. There's something else going on with this. Like whatever they're presenting it as. There's a secret agenda in play, okay? And that's going to come out. It's going to come out in the, in the rest of these dreams. So they make all the arrests. They make all the arrests. And now the next scene shows, I don't remember which night these are anymore. The next scene shows 
all of these large number of rooms. They're like rectangular in shape. I think there's like one, maybe two couches in there, one, maybe two small tables. But the color arrangement is like a hotel somewhere, not a very nice hotel, an inexpensive room. And uh, there's not, I don't think there are, I don't think I saw any paintings or anything. It's just a basic room, but it looks like a sitting room. Maybe there's some bathrooms somewhere, must have been. Uh, but there are four or five guys in each one of these rooms. And I see that this is what's happened. So a lot of people have been arrested, I see now. And they're all in these rooms. And they start to talk. They say, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do? And they begin to say, well, the first thing we have to do is we can't tell them what we've really been doing. We can't do that. What we need to do instead is we need to admit to lesser crimes. And they say, okay. So one of the more clever guys or one of the more experienced or more senior guys, I don't know why, but the others listen to him. And he says, we're going to admit to this, but we're never going to mention these other things. Make sure that you're clear on that. So they all agree that they're going to collaborate and confess to lesser crimes. They're going to confess to something, but it's in no way the fullness of what they've really been up to. So next, some lawyers who are, who are aligned with them, probably secret satanic societies, different groups. There's so many of them, it doesn't make sense to name, to name them except more generically, which is very descriptive. I call them secret satanic societies. And these lawyers come to meet these men in the rooms, and they tell them, don't worry, don't worry, don't panic. We're going to get you out of this. We're going to, we're going to get you off. Don't worry. And so the guys in the room, they get a little encouraged. They say, okay, okay, okay. And um, the, it may be that the conversation about confessing to lesser crimes follows the meetings with the lawyers. I don't remember. But the meetings, but the lawyers do come. These, these, some of these lawyers were not arrested. There were some lawyers and other people arrested, I believe. But definitely... Once the people are all in these rooms, these basic rooms, held, detained, lawyers visit them, and these lawyers are in their group, and they plan to absolutely work for them and try to get them off. So now what happens next is, and this is definitely a separate night of dreaming, there are all these televised trials. People go to the court, and it's on television. People sit in their living rooms and drink beer or drink tea or water. They sit back, put their feet up, and they watch these trials on television. And people begin to say, well, we know that they did way more than this. Why are they being charged with so few counts of each type of crime? And people don't like that because they feel like, no, 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 something's already dishonest here. Something's not right. Why are they doing that? Is it a strategy? Why? It doesn't make sense to us. And again, it's because... They're all going to be collaborating together. Everybody's looking for these QAnon arrests, for these for the evil people, that the deep state minions, people trafficking children, uh, doing all this uh, cannibalism and adrenochrome sales and all kinds of sickness. Kidnapping children, CPS people, abducting children, filtering them into this whole channel of auctioning and ritual abuse and murder. <laughs> and flesh-eating, everybody's talking about this and that these people need to be arrested and that they will be arrested. People are talking about it. But this set of dreams showed me, oh yeah, they're going to do it, but this is what's going to happen. They're going to have the trials, it's going to be on TV, and people are going to start from the beginning realizing something's off. 
something's off. Why are they being charged with four counts or eight counts when we know it's in the hundreds? That's not right. People will be not be unhappy about that. But, you know, it's armchair commentators. They just make some comments and do nothing about it. They don't pray. These people also don't pray. <laughs> but now what happens is they have the trials and they go through all the trials and people watch it and it's a big deal. And then uh, the first guys, they get exonerated. Well, these guys are all right. They, it seems these guys really didn't do anything, you know. They're, they're exonerated of these accusations. People say, what? Okay, well, I guess maybe you didn't do anything. Then I think they convict a few people. They get a couple, but the majority of them get exonerated. And now people don't like that either. And people start to say, and this is what you're going to hear, it's a travesty of justice. I heard those words more than once. It's a travesty of justice. This is what they're going to say. They're going to watch these people go into the courts and be exonerated and go home with nothing except for maybe an apology or a future lawsuit against false imprisonment and false accusation, whatever will happen. And I don't know why it does this, but the Holy Spirit starts to show them in columns. And as one man comes out, it shows like a little little man in a little column. They're like these rows, like maybe a Pachenko game or something, except instead of pegs, it's like vertical columns, and they're all falling into these columns, filling them up. So now there are rows and columns. As the, I don't know what the columns represented, different types of crimes or different echelons of the Ponzi scheme. I don't know. But they all start getting exonerated and the people are saying, oh, it's a travesty of justice. They're all in agreement. And then this is what happens. The hand of God comes out and it's got this little, he's holding this little roller. It looks like there has a little metal handle that curves around and comes back in so it makes like a, a horizontal axis, almost like an axle in a car. And, uh, and it has a little gray rubber cylinder on it, very short, not long like a painting roller, but short so that it's only like two fingers wide or something. And the hand of God rolls this roller across the people, not up and down, across the columns that were filled, but across, and he starts at the bottom, rolls it across all those men. The first two men in the layer, in that bottom layer, die. They die. As soon as that roller hits them, they die. And the roller passes over the other men, who are the bottom of the other columns, but they only seem to be pressed down a little bit, like if a car ran over something and left a bit of an indent from the tires. It's like that. This roller went over, whoosh an indent. So they're harmed in some way, but they don't get away. So the world is going to say, ah, you know, the world court system, the men who are actually their friends, uh, collaborating with them to cheat the system, to escape justice. These people all get ran over by God and some of them die. So men are going to let them off, but God isn't going to be so friendly. And this is why sometime before I had these, the Holy Spirit was showing me don't put your trust in men. Don't waste your time praying, oh, let these people be arrested and brought to justice. He said, don't do that. He said, pray that God will take a stand, that God will take action. 
that almighty king of heaven will take note of what is happening and put his, put his hand into the mix. Let them know what for. And this is why I pray that God will bring justice. Because the people will say, this is a travesty of justice. We need to not put our trust in man, not seek them for counsel, but seek God for counsel. We have one teacher, one rabbi, one father. These are the people you would traditionally go to for advice. So you have, you have Almighty God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to advise you in matters of love and business and health and investing and everything else. And in terms of getting justice, <laughs> don't trust in man for that either. Trust in God, because God's going to bring justice. So that's the twist, that they're going to have all of these things, but it's going to be a scam. And then after these four nights, I began to wonder, I said, Lord, well, what about women? Were there no women? And, and the fifth time, the, the last night of the dreams, I saw that women were arrested as well. And there was one woman in particular that was a big deal. The people paid a lot of attention to this one particular woman's trial. And I, th I think she was exonerated as well. And people were mad about that as well. They couldn't believe it. Exasperated. Travesty of justice. And I don't know who the woman was, Pelosi or Hillary Clinton. I, I really don't know. The, you know, it just could be them. Who knows? But God did not exonerate them. So some of the wicked he just took off the plane board and others he punished in some way. Now, the nap I had somewhere in that week, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will hit me with a supernatural sleep, and I know he wants to speak to me. And it comes hard and fast, and I just tell my wife, hey, look, I'm going to go sleep, don't wake me up. And I go and I lay down, and it's like as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm in the dream. And uh, this was very short, and it was just a short message, no scene, just the words, a racist attack. Now, that plays into a whole other thing, and you've heard me mention it in some of the other dreams, um, in the dream about nanotechnology. I, the, there's a man who goes back through time, and he sees that part of the way that the beast system, part of the way that they tore down the world, was through racism. That racism, especially anti-white racism, becomes a bigger deal, and somehow it plays into allowing the enemy of our souls to control the earth. And so somehow, in some of these different things, there's going to be a racist attack. Maybe that inspires the arrests. Maybe it happens during the arrests or after. I don't know. I don't know how it plays in, but I just, that's the whole warning. So you get, that's it, three words, a racist attack. But it came during this week, so I have to think that God wants us to know about it. And it could simply be that after all of these things happen, God wants us also to be aware to watch out for them trying to foment race war. I've seen many things that show that they want to do that. And I think it's pretty obvious in the news how they try to separate us on things that really are ridiculous. The color of skin, come on, who cares? Who's, who's here doing this? Who's doing that? Who votes for this what thing or that thing? Who believes in this? They want you to kill people based on these things when really they're a conversation and a lot of prayer sometimes to get people out of darkness. But not killing, that's never necessary. That's never necessary. So my friends, uh, let us pray. Let us pray. This, when I started preaching online so many years ago, 2007, 
I said, Lord, what, how should I end, end my messages? All these popular guys, they have a catchphrase. Holy Spirit said, pray or be defeated. So this is Robert Avila reminding you as always to pray or be defeated.